you're smarter than you think. Because <laughs> isn't that the bank? I don't know. <laughs> you're richer than you yeah. think you are. Oh. <laughs> you're smarter than you think. Come to TD. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's the sequel of the mixed up quotables game it's like yep. <laughs> mixed up uh slogans. advertising slogans yeah. <laughs> we're back we're officially yeah. back <laughs> it's perfect welcome back to the modern lady podcast you're listening to episode 107 Hi, I'm Michelle. And I'm Lindsay. And today we are talking about taking that first step, or as my dad would say, get her done. Author, entrepreneur, and photographer James Clear writes in his book, Atomic Habits, that, quote, many people think they lack motivation when what they really lack is clarity, end quote. Isn't that just the mental shift we need sometimes? When we struggle with getting her done, it often helps to have a clear plan and plans usually have a step one. So where do we begin? We're kicking off season four with this question in mind and at heart. But first, this podcast is brought to you by our Patreon supporters. How about you? Do you want more from The Modern Lady? Become a Patreon supporter and for just $5 a month, you will have exclusive access to our sister podcast, The Friday Finishing School. Find us by going to patreon.com forward slash The Modern Lady Podcast. Another way that you can support the show is by subscribing to this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts so that you never miss an episode. We are also so thankful for every rating, review, and comment that you leave us. Your reviews on iTunes help new listeners discover us. This week's shout out goes to Same Liz P, who left us a five star review on iTunes and said, quote, I love this podcast. As a new mom, Michelle and Lindsay really speak to my heart when it comes to family and the home and faith. This podcast, however, is for all ladies of all ages and backgrounds. They really put a lot of effort into it. I love how interesting their topics are and look forward to listening to them while I clean and look after my home." End quote. Well, thank you so much, Same Liz P, for taking the time to rate the podcast and leave us this comment. What a lovely message to come back to after our break. And if you would like to leave us a comment, you can do so on our website, www.themodernlady1950.wordpress.com, or you can leave us a comment on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube, where you can find us at The Modern Lady Podcast. But before we get into today's chat, Lindsay has our Modern Lady Tip of the Week. It's that time of the year again, back to school, cool evenings, and soup. Thanks to listener extraordinaire, Jenna Gernan, I'm going to explore soup etiquette because it can't possibly be as simple as just lifting a spoon to your mouth and eating it, can it? Let's start with serving soup. There are seven different kinds of soup bowls. Get your pencils ready because here we go. Soup plate, coupe bowl, soup cereal bowl, covered soup bowl, lug soup bowl, cream soup bowl, and the classic bouillon cup. According to the website etiquettescholar.com, it is the temperature and texture of the soup that determines the bowl's shape. For example, a thick, chunky soup stays hot longer, so it goes into a shallow, wide bowl in order to cool it down. But a smooth soup is served in a deep bowl to retain its heat. 
Ah, uh, now the history of the soup spoon. I know you've been waiting for this. There are two different types of soup spoons, the Western soup spoon and the Chinese spoon. The Western spoon is smaller than a tablespoon, but with a deeper bowl for holding liquid. The idea of having a separate spoon for soup started in the 18th century. In the early days, the spoons were all different shapes, oval, pointed, shallow, or deep. In the 19th century, the shape became standardized and is what we know today. Most people don't have dedicated soup spoons in their own kitchens, but will encounter them when served soup at restaurants. A Chinese spoon, and yes, that is its proper name, is a regular utensil in Chinese cuisine. Almost all of their soup spoons are made of ceramic, although the earliest versions date back to the Bronze Age and were made of bone. In ancient China, the spoon was far more common than chopsticks because the most common food was millet, which was made into congee, which is what we know of today as gruel. As the technology improved for flour milling and with the advent of yummy dumplings and noodles, chopsticks took over in the 10th century. Today, the Chinese soup spoon is still an everyday item with smaller versions being used to eat with and larger ones used as serving utensils. Okay, now the table is set proper bowl sizes chosen, and the correct underplates and spoons are ready. Next week, we will learn how to actually eat the soup. Wow. Well, there goes my easy go-to meal for the fall. (laughs) (laughs) Things just got really complicated. But you know what? Listening to you talk about the bowl sizes is is one of those things that, well, I didn't know before you just just told us, Mm -hmm. but it makes so much sense. I can't believe I didn't think of it before like how the thicker soups hold heat longer so you want Mm -hmm. it to be in a shallower dish so that it cools down I think that's that totally makes sense that's brilliant why didn't I think of that and obviously someone else has (laughs) and while I didn't think about it like that it made me feel less guilty about the multiple different sizes of soup bowls that I own Um, you were just with me when I bought more bowls right I'm like I actually need this shape now so I didn't understand the science behind it but now I do so less guilt you're smarter than you think (laughs) and we're back After a long summer break, we find ourselves, perhaps like many of you, trying to get back into the swing of things. The problem is, sometimes we don't know where exactly to begin or how to start. Right, Lindsay? Yes. I'm laughing because my opening line, too, is, we are back! (laughs) You and I both wrote the same opening line. (laughs) So we're still in tune with each other, which is awesome. And, you know, Michelle, I was thinking, isn't it so nice to feel so rested after our long summer breaks? We kid, we kid, because we're not rested at all. We we had a phone conversation yesterday, and I think I can speak mm-hmm. for both of us when I just share that we're both feeling flustered and stressed <laughs> and overwhelmed, and that we both realize that if we're already feeling this way, the lead up to Christmas is just going to get harder, right? right? So it's time that we maybe make a few changes right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like we, we took this long break and we kept saying like, are we ready yet? No, not yet. No, mm-hmm. not yet. No, not yet. And and then after a certain point, we're like, well, maybe we're just meant to do it, to get mm-hmm. it done, right? Yeah. And so yeah. this really sparked this conversation of, you know, um, sometimes you can't wait until things are perfect or the timing is just right. Sometimes things just need to happen. And yeah. so what do you do when maybe emotionally or mentally you're not quite there <laughs> yet? Yeah. They're, they're, it has to get done. Yeah. And 
so that's like this episode's meant to be a gentle kick in the pants for you and I, right? And we yes. suspect that many of you are feeling the same way. Now, we did do that episode last year that we both really loved, the Can't Even Clean Up. And while it's along the same lines as today's episode, what we really want to do today is just come up, like you were saying, with one suggestion, like just one first step. And you'll mm-hmm. share one and I'll share one. And um, I had noticed in a lot of like the women's groups that I'm part of on social media that there's usually like three categories that most people will post that they need help just getting started in. So that's what we've done. We've taken these three categories that you and I both need to have a bit of a wake-up call in and that we think many of you probably do too. And then we're each just going to share our one first step that we're going to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this reminds me of a podcast that I actually haven't listened to in a while, but I used to almost uh, every single week when it came out was The Next Right Thing podcast Mm. um, by Emily P. Freeman. And it was a short podcast, but what she was encouraging people to do was not take on that huge bite, um, Uh. (laughs) like taking it all on at once. What is the next right thing? And so I think that's a really good complimentary thought to put with this episode that we're going to record today is that you can think about this as like, okay, this might be my goal, but let's not start at the completion. What's the next right thing that I can do to get myself going in the right direction? I love that so much because as you and I have admitted many times, we are very much a do all the things type people Yeah, because we enjoy it, right? You're Mm -hmm. sanguine. I have some sanguine under my choleric tendencies. And so we both get really excited about first steps, actually. Um, But we take such a giant leap that, yeah, we fall. We we end up tripping sometimes. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so we both need to just try that smaller step. Okay, so Michelle, let's just start um, and we can share how we've, I guess, let ourselves go, right? In terms of health, wellness, fitness, prayer life, everything. <laughs> we'll just, <laughs> we'll just we'll lay it all on the here. table. Yeah. <laughs> so let's start with health and wellness. Now, I wanted to start here because this is something that I realized that I really dropped the ball on, but I realized this last spring. And at that time, I made the decision to focus again on my health. And I made a lot of changes starting in the spring and that I've consistently been working on throughout the summer. But sadly, I'm not seeing the results (laughs) that I wish I was seeing because I have been working hard. So when I stepped back and I'm currently doing this and I'm reevaluating, you know, those things that I've been doing, I'm like, okay, I definitely need to make some more changes. I need to shake things up once again. And so it's not like I'm going, well, I failed with all that. No, I've, I've done my best with that, but I need to make those changes. So I had an honest discussion with myself about what's working and what's not working. And I realized too that it's not just about fitness and nutrition for me in terms of health Mm. and wellness, right? It's also my general sense of wellness, dare I say my self-care, right? Mm. And my husband, God bless him, he also gently encouraged me to buy some new clothes this summer to just really start taking care of myself um, in a way that I had stopped kind of doing. So all of that to say that if I'm going to take this one first step forward the one thing I think I would do is just start with one goal, just one goal, Mm. not 20 goals, but just one, and then focus on that one goal completely. So my one goal is that I'm going to try every day to just start with the 10,000 steps. And then once I've done that, then you build on your success. But I I have a hundred goals I'd like to do, but I'm going to pick (laughs) that as the one I'm focusing on. Yeah, I love that that's your 
one thing to focus on or that you are going to do just one thing to focus on because you're right. Like, I think we can get so excited. Well, as you said, like we get easily excited about everything, right? (laughs) So you can get away from yourself and you don't realize that each individual goal has its own, is going to require its own storage of energy Mm. and willpower and discipline. And I think for me anyways, um, like I overestimate how much of that I have in reserve. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Yeah. So I really like that. That It it really, um, you have to focus and like focus sometimes may be what we lack when we begin and take on any one big thing. Yeah. So what is your first step, I guess, in terms of health and wellness or however you're interpreting that? Yeah. So like you, um, for me, it was, it's fitness, that Mm. kind of arm of health and wellness that has kind of fallen by the wayside. Um, but in terms of that, my thing is to begin with what I like and mm. build on that. So, you know, when it comes to this health and wellness branch, there are so many options and trends and fads. And over the years, I've gotten really caught up in what everyone else is doing and thinking yeah. that this is going to be the thing. But it always fizzles out when I like try to get super into a regimen without taking into account my own preferences and tendencies, my overall goals, and when I don't realize I can adapt things to suit my own style. So I'll give you a bit of an example of what I mean when it comes to diet. And this is a few years back now when we were doing keto, right? When we were mm-hmm. looking into keto and keto was really big, or maybe it still is, and I don't know. <laughs> but in any case, <laughs> I remember um, saying that I was doing keto, but then realizing that the banana that I was putting in my smoothie, the yogurt or the kefir that I was adding to the smoothie, those were not keto foods. Mm-hmm. And so then I had a choice to make, right? And I, I realized that I wasn't willing to give up that really healthy part of my meal plan every day um, just to stay strictly keto as Mm -hmm. the guidelines told me to do it. So then I started just adapting. I would tell people I'm doing (laughs) (laughs) keto-ish, which really just put it into a mind frame that was uniquely me and for my life. It meant that I could work in food groups as I needed to, as I wanted to, but I still had a general sense of direction where it was going in terms of a healthy nutritional lifestyle. And because of that, I felt I was able to keep on track with it for a lot longer than I normally would have when I didn't pigeonhole myself into this one way of doing things. And so now I'm trying to take that same principle and apply it to fitness and activity and exercise because I've tried a lot of different things. I have, I know a lot of people who have found that one form of exercise that really gets them pumped up and they love their workouts. Um, And I haven't really found that yet, but I think I may have hit on it. Um, I I ended up really loving calisthenics (laughs) this summer. So going super old school, but Mm -hmm. there's actually some pretty good calisthenics videos on YouTube right now. So that would be my one thing is to just pick something that you like and then build on that. Because I think when you enjoy something, you'll stick with it for longer. 
Okay. I love that. Um, I don't know if you know this, but I saw this in a, a vintage homemaking group I'm in that the original like king of calisthenics, I think his name was Jack LaLanne. I'm just pulling that off the top mm. of my head from the fifties. Okay. Uh, his videos are on YouTube. Like you can actually, <gasps> so if you know how you and I love to go as old school as possible, yes. like you can actually do his 1950s workout videos on YouTube. <sighs> oh my goodness. That is awesome. And then yeah, that combines two loves, calisthenics mm-hmm. and vintage. Yes. Oh my goodness. I love when we can multitask. Oh, <laughs> which goes besides your point right, to focus no, on one thing. Yes, just stay one. focused. Focused. <laughs> but I love what you said about something that is fun. I actually think it's it's so funny to me that I'm almost oblivious to that. Like it can be fun. It, it actually I know. can be fun, right? Like yeah. doing what you do enjoy. I think we actually forget that there can be an enjoyment aspect to our health and wellness or fitness journey. And I remember, um, I think it's Mark Sisson who does, um, who is like the paleo guy founder. Mm. And he does like, he loves extreme sports or just even things like extreme Frisbee or mm. um, <laughs> like sailing, like things like that. Those are excellent ways of getting exercise that are fun. Mm-hmm. Right. And so really going, Hey, what do I enjoy? So anyways, thank you for that reminder, because there's a few things I do enjoy, but I, do, I never actually take that into consideration when I'm making a goal or a plan that I can actually enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's totally true. Like, I don't know how many times I've told myself that I'm going to become a runner now. <laughs> like, I'm just going to start now. <laughs> yes. And I'm going and to enjoy it. You try to force yourself to right. enjoy it. Yeah, that's right. And, and you know, there there are things that you can use to help with that, like distracting mm-hmm. yourself with a TV show. But mm-hmm. then another totally valid consideration is maybe that's just not something I'm interested in right now. Yeah. But walking, I like. I happen to really like walking. So do that and don't worry about it. It's, it's you. And you're more likely to say, I can do a walk if you're okay with walking rather than, oh my goodness, I don't know if I can run today. If you're not really into it at the time. That is awesome. All right. The next area that I know I've dropped the ball in is my prayer life. Now, um, I think it's easy for me to make excuses to myself when I haven't been carving out that daily personal prayer time between me and God, because my family does pray a rosary every day. You know, we do some other aspects of liturgical living. We never miss mass. Sometimes we go to mass a couple times during the week. So I go, well, done, you know, (laughs) shake the dust off my hands. (laughs) I did it. But no, that's not the same thing at all as carving out personal prayer time daily. And it doesn't have to be, you know, an hour of prayer. So Mm. I spoke with a mutual priest friend you and I have about this. And he recommended something really simple yet really effective to me. So I'm going to do what he calls the five and five, which is praying about which five things I'm thankful for that day. And then reflecting on five ways that God tried to teach me a lesson. And then I have to meditate (laughs) on how I responded to God's promptings or tugs at my heart. Did I listen to him? Did I change my mood, behaviors, or actions? Or did I continue to do something that wasn't good for me or for my family or pleasing to God? So Mm -hmm. yeah, five things I'm really thankful for are blessings that I recognize in my life, which is right in line with a lot of people trying to work on gratitude, right? Having gratitude Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, but then five ways to really go, okay, I know God was gently tapping me in such a lovely fatherhood way um, Mm -hmm. throughout the day. Yep. Did I respond? Yes or no. So I can't imagine how my life wouldn't be changed, right? If I if mm-hmm. I uh, don't add this in. So yeah, the five and five, that is the baby step I'm going to take in my personal prayer life. 
I love that. And I do remember him telling me about this as well. Mm-hmm. I misunderstood him. I So I started calling it um, back to him, the five in five. So oh. like five minutes and and yes. he was like well it's oh. not wrong right because it is yeah. supposed to be short right um yes. so now I call it the five and five in five because <laughs> I'm extra <laughs> like that and God and I have a little chuckle over my wit <laughs> every evening well now I'm gonna call that that too so thank you for that <laughs> okay perfect <laughs> but it is and you know what this actually feeds really well into the one tip that I had in terms of prayer life too, which is to keep it simple. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason you keep it simple is because I've come to really see consistency in and of itself to actually be prayer. Yeah. So, you know, I've yeah. tried to work some basics of prayer into my day um, that are simple enough that I can more or less be consistent in keeping it going. Um, I'll do like short reading of the daily mass readings in the morning and the five and five in five <laughs> before bed. <laughs> and then I know like if I'm prompted to add anything else in on top of that, then that's great. But these little items, they're non-negotiables mm. and they're small enough and they're bite-sized enough that I can do it. And that's where the consistency as prayer comes in. Because even with how basic and how little it is, there are still many days where I'm not feeling even that. (laughs) Like, I don't want to pray. I'm really distracted. I can't focus. I have things on my mind that are disrupting my peace. You know, real life, it comes at you fast sometimes. But I'm finding that even offering up the act itself of doing it and acknowledging to God that I'm doing my best, but I have no idea where my mind is at right now, that that's a prayer. So for example, sometimes when I'm reading the daily mass readings, so scripture in the mornings, sometimes it's like lightning bolts are hitting me. Every word is dripping with meaning and relevance. It's exciting. It's convicting. But other times I'm I'm just reading the yeah. readings, yeah. right? And that's all that I feel. Uh, and so I'll say to God, hmm, okay, well, good. <laughs> I'll close the book and then. <laughs> Thank you. I, yeah. Just all right. That's, yeah. that's wonderful. See you later. Yeah. yeah. And I'll trust that if there is something in there that I need, he'll bring it back to my mind yes. again throughout the day. I don't beat myself up over it. Don't try to force myself to feel more. Mm. Um, don't try to add on more things to try to whip up my emotions into right. like more fervor or anything like that. I'll just keep my commitments to God. If I say I'm going to do something, I'll do it and I'll show up. And I'm, I'll offer up that resolute commitment as a testament to God of my faith and my love for him. Okay, that was the kick in the pants I needed. So that was awesome. Yeah. Thank you. I am <laughs> terrible at consistency. And you're right. Consistency is a prayer in and of itself. I, that really mm-hmm. stopped me in my tracks. That that daily offering of your commitment, of your perseverance, right? This is virtue building. Um, that mm-hmm. alone is a prayer. And that is just beautiful. So 
okay, okay, Michelle, you've got me motivated. Yes, <laughs> good, because now you can motivate me for house cleaning. <laughs> this is where I need my kick in the pants. Okay, are you ready? <laughs> I am so ready. So getting yourself motivated to get up and clean is something that we talk about on this podcast all the time. And it's something I talk about all the time on my own Instagram. And it is a natural strength of mine. But like many of you, my energy levels also go up and down. And so sometimes I too need a little bit of a reminder, a little fire lit under my butt to get up and clean. And so my favorite way to do that is cleaning in bursts. And the way I do this, the way I clean in bursts is I set my timer. And we've given this tip before, but I'm just saying it again because it's good every time and it works every time. So you know, as I said, there's a lot you can get done even while you're waiting for toast to pop. I actually tidied my entire living room this morning while waiting for my toast to pop. Um, and then you might even have a full two and a half minutes if, if something's in the microwave or even longer if water's going to boil. So you actually start with those like two to five minute little bits and you kind of get in the habit of working during that time. And when you've seen how much you can, you can accomplish in two or five minutes, if you set yourself a half hour or a whole mm. hour to clean, it feels downright luxurious. So yeah, just setting these little time amounts, you start where you need to start, but working in these little bursts, I find half hour is a great burst. I find like you can get, mm. actually get so much done in a half hour. Um, and I find like after that, even my motivation starts to dip a little bit. So then you can go do something else. But yeah, just set your timer. You're in competition with yourself and only yourself. And it's just something about having that timer going that makes me get up and get moving and just really see how much I can get done. Mm -hmm. I remember you telling me about this mm -hmm. like a few years ago, and it really has changed mm -hmm. like how you see those little moments um, during the day and how you can use them well, yeah. right? Because you're right, like, especially when you're talking about getting things done while you're waiting for the toast to pop or the water to boil, mm -hmm. um, what else are you going to do yeah. <laughs> during that time? Like, if even setting a timer seems like a, a little bit too ambitious, yeah. then I mean, those are things that are already happening that is almost like a gift of time when yes. you have to wait for the toast to pop. I really love looking at it like that. I remember when I first heard about that, I think it was about water boiling, and I'm sure I shared this before, but the person said, you can't clean your entire cupboard in the time it takes water to boil, but you can clean one shelf. You can clean, mm -hmm. take everything out and wipe down one shelf and put everything back or one drawer, maybe not multiple drawers, or maybe just your cutlery tray. Like there's actually so much you can do, but unless you've got like started to try it and get into the habit of it, you just don't, um, you don't know, have an understanding of how those blocks of time work, right? A lot of that is just mm -hmm. that education for yourself. How quickly do you work? How efficient are you? Um, you'll learn a lot just in that process of how organized is my house, right? If your house is organized, you can get a lot more accomplished in five minutes. Um, mm -hmm. And so it really does start to help you. And you and I love doing these types of experiments with ourselves. Like you really start to kind of gather data about mm -hmm. how your house is run. How, like, yeah. What your cleaning style is, but then yeah, just these little short bursts. You start with that. And then, like I said, if you ever give yourself a half hour, once you've been cleaning in two minute bursts, you'll be like, Oh man, I can do a whole room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know what you t we talk often about the art of 
homemaking, mm-hmm. but it's also very much a science. Yes. Right? And yeah. that's where the experimentation part comes in. And e- even just starting to get a feel for how long things take for future reference. Yes. Um, that makes you even more efficient because, yeah, if you're testing it out on the two-minute toast weight or the five-minute pot boil, mm-hmm. then you know that this specific task oh, I could get that done in five minutes. That's about a five-minute task. And yeah. then the next time you walk into your kitchen to clean something, you know, like, oh, I can get this done. It will only take me five minutes. Because I guarantee, because this has happened over and over again with me, that many tasks that I think will take a half hour are actually five-minute mm-hmm. tasks, right? But until you've mm-hmm. done that multiple times, and you're like, oh, it really is only five minutes. So yeah, if, if this is the motivation you need, like really approach it like that type of experimentation and data collection for yourself. And I, I don't know, I find that that makes it exciting for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I will say on the side, the opposite can also be true. Just fair warning. Like you'll go in to declutter your kid's room and think, this will take me an hour and you'll be there three days later. So all in the name of science, just be prepared for both sides. (laughs) Yes. So what is your first step uh, in terms of getting your homemaking started? Yeah, so this is something I've just started doing the last few weeks, really. And it is similar to your tip. Um, Mm -hmm. But for me, it's to go an extra mile with the task already at hand. Mm. So one thing that I'm doing to help me get back into those little bursts you're talking about, Lindsay, is to just do a little bit extra in whatever task I find myself already in in the moment. For example, Mm. if I'm already wiping the countertops, I'll take an extra moment and wipe down the small appliances too, like the microwave or the coffee maker, or I'll empty the toaster crumb tray. Um, if I'm already putting away groceries, I'll take an extra moment and just wipe down the shelves real fast, not Mm -hmm. scrub, not an entire fridge cleanup, but I'll wipe it down. Or like this morning, I was putting away the lunch containers into a deep drawer. And usually we also keep like miscellaneous items like extra bread bags or, um, straws in there. And I was having trouble getting the lunch containers into the drawer So while I was already down there, I just kind of took a couple of seconds, purged a few things, um, got rid of some bags because there were too many. There always are too many (laughs) after a while. And now the drawer closes and Mm -hmm. it took maybe an extra two minutes. And last week when I was putting our homeschooling books on the shelf, I just took an extra minute and quickly went through the books that were already there. Mm -hmm. And I pared a few things down, one shelf at a time, no pressure, five minutes. It's just a lot less intimidating that way I think and I know that like there will still be times during the week where I have to set aside more time like what you're saying maybe half an hour to -hmm. tackle bigger tasks and chores but I am finding that taking an extra moment in tasks I'm already having to do anyways it's helping to keep things tidy enough and it gives me a a little bit more of that dopamine hit Mm -hmm. (laughs) which will then motivate me to do it again somewhere else and the clean house spiral will just hopefully continue It's 100% will, right? If you think about just that drawer as an example. So if you're spending the five minutes while you're waiting for the um, water to boil, cleaning out that one drawer, pushing it a little bit extra, doing one other thing. And if you times that by how many little tasks you do in a week, my goodness, Mm -hmm. that's a huge chunk that you can actually get done in one week with almost minimal effort. Like it's not effort you notice. It's just become second habit. Um, It's that puttering. And we've talked about this before too, as Mm. well. Like just this idea of... 
like I say, I clean my house through puttering. And so does my mom. Like my house stays clean mm-hmm. because of just those little mindless little tasks that we just work in. You know, I'm actually not good at those last couple minutes of a task. You and I've talked about this before. Right. Yeah. So challenging <laughs> myself to do what you're doing, like to push forward oh, yeah. through that one little extra thing <laughs> would be a great challenge for me. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. The the good thing about that, and this is what I tell myself when I don't feel like finishing the task, let alone going the extra mile, mm-hmm. is that often going just that little bit extra, um, it's going to set you up to actually make the job that much easier next time. Yeah, 100%. The space will be more organized, right? Yeah. So like next time you go to put things away, you might not even have to go the extra mile because your towels already will fit in the linen closet. Because you went through it last time. And so, yeah, it's like these little cleaning hacks. They really do help. Mm -hmm. Beginning can be the hardest thing. We all know this, right? That whole first step, it can be the hardest thing. Mm -hmm. I know that when Jason and I both hit the couches and we're both staring at the kitchen, it takes one of us to just stand up, right? And then the other one kind Mm -hmm. of is guilted into it, let's just say. (laughs) Totally know what you're talking about. Right? But it takes one of you to just begin to just start. And we are consistently reminded that the rest of the work is far easier than just the starting, but beginning anything, um, you just need that little bit of a push and it feels so good in all of these areas, praying, homemaking, exercising. It feels so great and you never regret it, right? Mm -hmm. You never go, I wish I hadn't cleaned that drawer. (laughs) I wish I hadn't spent 15 minutes praying. Um, We never ever regret it. So it's just, if we can just get ourselves off the couch with that first step to do something, It's guaranteed to give us that dopamine hit to make the job easier next time, like what you're saying, right? Every one of these things has an impact on the next time that we do it. We just have to take that first step. Okay, it's time for our What We're Loving This Week segment of the show. So, Lindsay, what are you loving this week? Well, you know I'm still doing my Read All the Classics Challenge. It's still going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and I finally read Little Women. And I know <sighs> I know you love this book, right? This, mm-hmm. we'll, t- we'll talk a little <laughs> bit more at the end about that because I have something else to say. But I don't know why I kept putting it off. Like, it's on every list and I just wasn't reaching for it. Maybe I, I was thinking it's because I love the 1994 movie so much that I'm like, ah, it's good. Mm. I feel like I know the story so well, um, but I decided to read it. So honestly, at first I found it like a little eye rolly, <laughs> a little <laughs> overly sweet, a little bland and not realistic. So much so that I actually Googled to learn a little bit more about Louisa May Alcott because I'm like, there's no way she's a mother. There's no way. Right. <laughs> The way Marmy talks to those kids, I'm like, there's no way she had kids. And I'm right. She doesn't have kids. Um, She never had okay. kids. But I really loved her whole life in general. So I will, as a side note, second recommendation, you get a two for one in this, um, mm. is the History Chicks podcast episode on Louisa May Alcott. Her life was fascinating. And Little Women really is pretty darn autobiographical, if, if you haven't already figured that out. Um, but I learned that originally the book ended with Meg's engagement. And 
Alcott wanted to leave the story there, but it was such a massive success that almost immediately they begged her to write a second book. So the two books are now what we know of as Little Women, but they were two Mm. separate books. And Alcott herself said that when she was writing the second book, it was a totally new experience. Like she really felt like she knew the characters in a whole new way and that she spoke in their voices better. And you can really feel Mm. that in the second half of the book, particularly Joe and Lori's voices. I feel like they she owns it in the second mm-hmm. book. So I really loved it by the time I got into the second half. Um, and the one unexpected joy was how much homemaking is talked about. So like homemaking and motherhood, once I accepted that Marmy is pretty much the perfect mother, um, I did allow that to like inspire me, right? To kind of want to increase my gentleness and my, and she talks about having to overcome her, her natural inclination towards anger um, Mm. in the book. But I found that to be really inspiring the way that they build the home, the simplicity of it, that just the the very active, the homemaking of the entire family and, and then Marmy herself as a mother. So I know you are going to say, Lindsay, it's time to read Little Men, right? It's, yes. Though, which that's is exactly what I was going <laughs> to yes. say. Yep. <laughs> so I will, Michelle, I'm, I'm really, okay. I, I know a lot of people have said it's the better book. So yeah, I, I'm ready. Yeah. I don't know if I can say that it's the better book because okay. I'm a little ashamed to say that I've never read Little Women. <gasps> what? I know. Oh <laughs> I know. Okay. But I've watched like many, many adaptations. Mm-hmm. So I think maybe I thought I knew the story. Yeah. Um, and then I just skipped to Little Men. Um, yep. And then Joe's Boys is the, yes. the third book. Uh, and yeah, I will say like story wise, I loved Little Men. But mm. you're inspiring me now. I mean, I've already read the last two. I should just go back and read the <laughs> yes. first one. Please and do. I, okay. And I, I do feel like, and you tell me if you think this is a good fit. It seems like a really good Huga book for like oh. the late autumn going into December. 100%. Okay. It is like a delicious little read. It's just pleasant. It's easy. You can tell it's like kind of young adult. It's just, it was a really pleasurable read. And, and you know, for the state that you and I are both in, we are feeling a little bit scatterbrained and restless. It is that light the candle, make the cup of tea and venture into the world of Concord, Massachusetts. Mm, okay. So what have you been loving this week? Okay, so this summer, I took the plunge into the world that is K-dramas, Korean (laughs) dramas. (laughs) And I do not regret this one bit. (laughs) So the backstory is that every summer, some of my good friends from our parish and I get together once a week for movie night. Mm -hmm. And we've been doing this for about six years now. Usually we watch British period pieces, but this year they were really going on about these K-dramas. And so they couldn't decide between a couple of them which to show me or which to suggest for movie night this summer. I ended up watching on my own the one that we didn't choose. And this one is called Crash Landing on You. And this is what I have been loving. I devoured this show which is really saying something because each episode is over an hour long and you really can't be doing anything else while Mm. you're watching because you have to read subtitles. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So Crash Landing on You is about a beautiful, wealthy South Korean businesswoman who goes paragliding and ends up getting caught in a storm, which ends up depositing her over the border into North Korea. Whoa. Yeah. So she's found by the captain of a group of soldiers who are patrolling the border. 
And he decides that instead of turning her in to the authorities, he will help her find her way back home. The trouble is, she could be a spy. She could be lying. And so by law, he's supposed to turn her in. Um, So he's trying to decide, like, can he trust her? And conversely, can she trust him? Because she just like paraglided into North Korea. (laughs) (laughs) And so their predicament wreaks all kinds of adventurous havoc and suspense and and romance, of course, romance. So, you know, I loved this show because it was that perfect balance of everything I look for in entertainment. It has an interesting plot, action, a love story, and a fair amount of comedic moments as well. So it was light. And so I will say as a note, if you're wary about dipping your toe into the world of K-dramas, I will offer you this comparison by way of encouragement. I'm finding K-dramas to be the Korean equivalent to Hallmark movies and TV (laughs) shows. So if you're a fan of those, you will definitely not have a problem becoming engrossed in a K-drama. And I highly suggest that you start with Crash Landing on You. Okay, that's going to do it for us this week. If you want to get in touch and chat with us about our topic today, you can find us on our website, www.themodernlady1950.wordpress.com, or leave us a comment on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at The Modern Lady Podcast. I'm Michelle Sachs, and you can find me on Instagram at mmsachs. And I'm Lindsay Murray, and you can find me on Instagram at lindsayhomemaker. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great week, and we will see you next time.